Hey, everyone, and welcome to a special live episode of What Works, the show that brings you honest conversations about how small business owners really make it work. Not the hype, just the honest conversations. I'm your host, Tara McMullen, and today I am joined by Mighty Network's senior community strategist, Audra Lindsay. Audra, how's it going? Good. Hello from Palo Alto, Bay Area. I wish I was there. (laughs) It is very cold here. (laughs) It's been pretty cold and rainy here as well recently, I gotta say. It's not great, but... Okay, fair. Fair. I'll take it. Um, Well, everybody, I'm going to tell you more about Audra in just a bit. But first, I want to tell you why I invited Audra to talk about what she sees working in community building. Um, But first, I don't want you to let that term community building fool you. Because what we're really talking about here is actually bringing people together and focusing in on people. You know, there's been so much hype about automation, about scale, about getting hands off with your business over the last five years or so that many small business owners have made a mess of their people. And it's time to get that mess cleaned up. They've kept their people at arm's length. They've developed products and offers that put up huge, unhelpful boundaries between them and their people. And they've automated all of the spontaneous interactions out of their communication and It shows, and I know because I have lived this myself, it shows in brand authority, it shows in customer satisfaction, and it shows in the bottom line. Well, I think we're in the middle of a major market correction, one that I believe is going to be around for a very, very long time. Business owners are cleaning up all the crap that's kept them away from people they serve, and they're putting the focus back on those very important people, our customers, our audience, the people who follow us. You see it in small group programs, you see it in mastermind groups, hands-on support, community-based business models, and much more. So even though I'm gonna be using the words community building, a lot today. What we're really talking about is how to focus on people in a way that makes your life easier and adds to your bottom line as a business owner. And I know no one better to talk about this than Mighty Network's own Audra Lindsay. How's it going, Audra? Hi, good. This is one of my favorite topics, obviously. I do this every day because I love it. So I am thrilled to talk with y'all today about this and really go deep on what's working, what's not, what I'm seeing, trends, all the good stuff happening out there in the world. Sweet. Well, we're going to get into that in just a second. Let me give everybody uh, or let me tell everybody a little bit more about you um, so that they know where you're coming from, because you have deep knowledge and experience in this area. Uh, Audra is the senior community strategist at Mighty Networks, where her focus is on designing and implementing best practices in community strategy and community building. She's launched several successful apps and online communities for customers, including Gretchen Rubin, the NRDC, the Representation Project, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Intuit, McGraw-Hill, Lean In, and American Express. I am. Her role also includes leading content strategy, providing support and guidance for all Mighty Network hosts, and helping deliver product improvements and features. Audra has been absolutely instrumental to the work that we've done at the What Works Network, formerly co-commercial, um, and she has just really helped us see community building and the power of building out a network in a whole new light. So let's start with what actually makes for a vibrant strong community because you have a bird's eye view essentially on really thousands of communities. What do you see as some of the hallmarks of a strong, vibrant community or group? Yeah. So I love what you said in the beginning about bringing people together and community building as being this really specific thing where it's not just 
the way we think about traditional social media and have been thinking about it for a long time, where it's like, which also became known as community, uh, where it's I talk out to you and you listen and you sort of give me feedback and that's the extent of our relationship. So when I talk about communities and I really think about what's successful across Mighty Networks or just anything out there that's happening in the world and in, in the real world, in meetups or in other types of virtual communities, I measure that based on the connections that people are making with each other. So. Nice. That sort of is the core piece of that. And the actual way that I measure that is I just ask myself how many people are contributing to this thing that we're doing? How many people are not just passively reading or maybe showing up occasionally? I'm looking at how many people are so inspired and excited by what's happening and the people that they're meeting every day in this community or this network that they are inspired to contribute. So they're actually sharing their ideas, their tips, their stories, their vulnerability with other people. And they're doing that. In our case, we actually measure that through, you know, are they messaging other people? Are they contributing by commenting, posting their own questions, helping other people out by answering their questions? So that's kind of one of the key things I look at. So it's not just visits, it's mm -hmm. how many people are contributing. And that's sort of that baseline for me of what I see as a successful, uh, engaged community that's really doing something important and it's going to exist long-term and, and really succeed. Okay. So that kind of approach was kind of an aha moment for me, um, really when we were getting started uh, with the What Works Network. Um, and it reminds me of something that I read from Alex Hillman, who's the founder of Indie Hall and one of the real leaders in the co-working uh, movement mm -hmm. and the, the co-working community building space. Um, and he talked about how a lot of people think that community building or that the opportunity of community building is talking uh, like you said, one to many, or he also made the kind of the connection that sometimes we think it's many people talking to us as leaders and then us turning around and talking back to many people. But he defined it the same way where your goal as a community leader really is getting people talking to each other. And that that's where the uh, highest amount of value in a community can be created. And I think as small business owners, that's incredibly important. So that leads me to one of the, the questions that I really wanted to dig into you, uh, dig in with you, which is our role as leaders in our community. What, what kind of relationship do you see really working for small business owners who are building these communities? What, what kind of relationship do they have with their communities? How are they interacting with the community in a way that actually uh, empowers that kind of person-to-person -person contribution as opposed to always just leader-to-people contribution? Does that make sense? Oh, totally. I talk to people about this every day. Uh, we also, just like you, like a lot of people I've talked to, you mentioned Gretchen Rubin, somebody I worked really closely mm -hmm. with launching her network. And it's really about, okay, I've got all these followers. I've got these people. It's now time to make it less about me. And it's really time to make it me the, I want to be the facilitator of this conversation. I want to bring them together in a room. I want to give them the tools to, and sort of the conversation starters and the, whatever it is, the resources, the course materials, whatever it is, the training to inspire them to do this, but it's got to be about them now. And that's really key. And there's a many, many different ways to do this tactically that I've seen be really successful, but it really starts with first just being that mindset of, okay, let's make this about all of us together. We're all in this together. I am like you. We're not, I'm not an expert and you're not here to just learn from me. You're here to learn from your peers. So just setting that tone and setting those expectations is, is just so key when you come in with that mindset. Um, but tactically it's, it's about 
you know, modeling behavior. So being vulnerable, like posting as yourself um, mm -hmm. and as a leader of your network, like modeling the behavior you want to see your members doing. So I often say, you know, unlike our experiences in the early days of Facebook or Instagram or like LinkedIn, we're not connecting people to each other who already know each other. We're actually connecting people to each other who don't know each other yet. It's a little scary. Um, but they can re we know that they can benefit from meeting each other, right? So it's our job to break the ice. I like to think of a the sort of the leader or the admin or whoever it is as the host of a party. That's very much why we call the admin in a mighty network a host because we want to set up that mindset that you're here to facilitate this. You're going to set up this amazing experience in this place that's either safe or fun or you know what, however it is. You're going to set this place. Uh, where this is going to happen, but it's not going to be about us. It's going to be about that. And so we do that, yeah, through modeling behavior. Like, so because, you know, these people haven't met each other yet, I'm in there asking the types of questions that I want them to ask each other. I'm in there shining a light on their stories, but again, showing, hey, this is somebody's really unique experience with something they tried in their business or they did in their life. And this was the output and this is what they learned. And through doing that, we're encouraging people, we're making them feel safe, we're breaking the ice. All of these are kind of key technical things that are very important, especially in the very beginning of launching an online community, virtual community, whatever it is, and just making sure that you're on the path to creating something that's less about me and more about us, almost. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And you, <laughs> you you mentioned questions and I love yeah. we we have been so shocked by the power of just asking questions um inside of our community and inside of our groups. Um and for me, I think the reason that it's so powerful is it be because it creates those touch points where people can get to know each other, even if they didn't know each other before, right? Like they see, oh, we have this thing in common, or we're both struggling with this problem, or hey, I used to have that problem and now I can help you. Can you give mm -hmm. us some examples of questions that you've seen be really powerful in creating those kind of connections? Yeah, uh, we often say a couple things over and over and over again at Mighty Networks, which is one, people like to see people like them. So when you're right. doing something new, like just emphasizing, hey, there's other people like you. They're both, you know, we're all small business owners who are tackling these things together, care about these things. We're all people with type one diabetes. This is something we have in common, right? Showing that off. But the second thing I always say um, is that I completely lost my train of thought there. <laughs> <laughs> people like to see people like them. Oh, here's what it is with questions and polls, which is kind of like I think of in the same bucket, is that people love to see how they stack up against their peers. I think this mm -hmm. is this like basic human thing that we're so curious about each other. Like we want to know each other's experiences. We want to know like, well, how much are you invoicing your client, um, you know, before you set up a project or how much of a percentage of your, of your income are you putting away for your savings every month? Like, these are the things that we all want to know about each other and that we can benefit from knowing, but we're not going to get the answers on Google, like no way. Um, and we're going to get it through crowdsourcing. So what I do when I create questions and polls as the leader of a community or a host in the very beginning to set the stage model that behavior is I just get really specific because it's always the specific questions that are going to get the most answers quickly. And that's our goal, right? We want to get people, we want to break the ice. We want to get them contributing as soon as possible. So here's the example that I often share that I, this is an experiment I ran in a small business community that I also ran for many years. Uh, and I asked people, uh, you know, it's just a general question because you think, oh, if I ask a general question, everybody's going to be able to answer it and then I'll get more answers. 
the opposite is completely true. So yeah. I said, you know, how do you get customers? And it's like, oh my God, if I was a freelancer, small business owner, self-employed professional, I, oh my God, like it could be referrals, like word of mouth, an Instagram ad, a Facebook ad. It could be my newsletter list. It could be like, right? Mm -hmm. Paragraphs worth of information. Most people are busy. They're not going to spend 10 minutes writing a long answer and thinking about how they do this like broad general thing. But if I instead wrote a question that said, what's one thing that you're trying in your business today that's gonna hopefully get you more customers or clients or revenue or leads or whatever? Like, what is it? What did you try and what did you learn? Well, that's great. Like it's, it's Thursday today. <laughs> like, let's say maybe I tried a new Facebook ad with a different image and I got two more leads than I got in the day prior. Brilliant. I'm going to share that back with the community to the person who asked that question and I can move on with my day, right? Yeah. I come back the next day. There are 30 more answers to that same question, which means there are 30 more ideas I can try in my business today. And so that's just an example of, you know, constraint, constraint, constraint. When you're creating this, these conversation prompts, I'm very hesitant to call it content because mm -hmm. content is something we think of as long form articles and content marketing and something that's really hard to do and put together. Community is not about creating content. It's about creating conversation starters, prompts that are going to get people to contribute and share what they're doing and what's working, which is why I love the name of your podcast and your network, because that's what every mighty network is truly doing. Like folks in these communities are just exchanging ideas. Like what's working for you in this thing that we're doing, whether it's health related or um, business related or professionally related, whatever it is. Um, so I have, I have like a whole list of these things that I recommend, but just constraints, specificity, with questions and polls, it's gonna get you so much more bang for your buck as the leader of a community. Brilliant. Um, I wanna talk about content more in just a minute um, because I think this is something that people get really confused about, especially <laughs> since we've been fed content marketing um, for so long. Um, but first, we did have a question come in from Jen um, and we can answer this one really quick. She says, what's the type one diabetes community called in the app store? Yes, it's called Beyond Type One. And it's fantastic. It's free to join. It's full of amazing folks around the world who are sharing what's working, what's not, like their struggles, their celebrations. It's a great network. So I encourage you to check it out or recommend it to anybody who's looking for support in that area. Perfect. And then this is also a good time to say, if you have questions, we would love to include them. So there's a button underneath the video area here. And on my screen, it's under Audra's head. It may be in a different place on your screen, but it says, ask a question. If you click on that, uh, there'll be a little box that pops up. You can type your question in and then it'll alert me and I will get to as many of them as we possibly can uh, here during this interview. Because the beautiful thing about us doing this live is that we can adapt the conversation to be exactly what you need. Um, so Audra, let's talk a little bit more about content because I love that you say community building is not about content. It's about conversation starters. What are some of the mistakes you see people make when it comes to creating content? There's air mm -hmm. quotes for our audio listeners, <laughs> creating content for their communities. Yeah. So, you know, again, we're all into this understanding the value of bringing people together. They're like, I got to get out of this social media hamster wheel I need to give people a way to connect, but they still, this is kind of one of the pitfalls I see is that they still think content marketing applies the same mm -hmm. way it does to social media, to LinkedIn, to Medium, your blog, whatever it is, to building a community. And it doesn't, like we've tried it. It doesn't work. Uh, 
And, and some of the really specific examples there are like listicles, you know, traditional content marketing. So this comes back to a philosophy that operates, sort of leads and guides everything we do at Mighty Networks. And beyond that, just it guides me in my own interactions and communities that I'm a part of elsewhere. Um, and when I lead and launch communities, this is this is this is sort of our guiding principle, which is we are always anchored on uh, we are always anchored on uh, ah <laughs> doing that thing again where my brain is freezing. I know exactly what I'm going to say, but so we're anchored on communicating with members that this is a place where we're here to share our experiences and our stories and our tips and our ideas, but not necessarily advice. And that's super, super key because the word advice, I think of is very much aligned with traditional content marketing and listicles and all of that stuff that may work to bring in leads still. And there's a place for it out in the world and SEO and capturing interest, but it doesn't work when you're trying to get people to talk to each other. Um, for example, a listicle that's the top five things that every entrepreneur does every morning right after they wake up to be successful, like that falls under advice. And what it tells me, it's just prescriptive and it's not encouraging. It's not going to get me to share my story. It's just saying, oh, there's only one right way to do this. Okay, I'll walk away. Um, we Rather than do that, I've kind of crafted this idea of let's prompt people to ask them what's working for them. So one of my favorite questions I ask in a Mighty Network is, what's your morning ritual? Like, how do you start your day? And it's great because you know what? Everybody's different. Some people are early birds. Some people are night owls and they start late. Some people love to start with a meditation. Some people end the day with that instead. Some people dive into their emails and wait, right? Some take a morning walk. As you know, whatever's working for you is what's great. And so the more we can do the, to crowdsource that data and that information from our peers, the better we'll be able to smart, the more we'll be able to make better decisions in our own lives is truly what we believe. So unfortunately, anything that's kind of operates around the word advice will shut the conversation down. Mm -hmm. uh, I've also just seen that just sharing lots of links to external articles in a, in a community doesn't work to get people talking. Maybe they'll click through and read it, but they're not gonna come back. Uh, the one thing that I do if there is long form content that I think is useful or valuable is that I reframe it. So I take excerpts from something or I'll even recopy and paste the whole thing in if I want to. And then I'll frame it around a question in the title of a piece and at the end of it. So it's like, all right, we've read this. I think this is meaty. I think this is good. There's something to talk about. Let's talk about it. And I end with a really specific question and get my members talking around it. Um, so that tends to work better than just sharing a bunch of articles in the network, for example. And the good news is it's less work, right? If I don't have to write and pump out five articles a week, I can focus on how I can match people up instead and introduce them to each other when they can get value through those interactions. Yeah, I cannot tell you how many times in the last two years we have stopped as a team and realized that we have been overthinking what we are trying to provide people, right? Yeah. Whether it's in the community itself, whether it's in mastermind groups, whether it's the, the events that we're planning, the content that we're planning, when we, yeah, we just, we overthink it all the time. And then when we'll pull back and we'll say, let's do less and focus on connecting more and amazing things happen. That and we're like, great. wow, that was easy. <laughs> you know, <That's> <laughs> it's so, yeah. And it's so true, but it's just like peeling back layer after layer because, um, you know, if, if anyone here has been following me on Instagram, I've been talking a lot about advice culture lately, and it is just so ingrained in us now that the way we build our following, the way we get people to buy is to give advice, to give advice, to frame everything is you should do this. You should do that. Here's how you can level up. 
Um, and I have just so fallen in love with the idea of sharing experiences and stories, um, the things that we know because we've lived them, the hard mm -hmm. lessons that we've learned, and anything that we can do to get people to share along those lines is going to be a winner for us. So I just really, really appreciate you sharing that. Oh, yeah. No, I keep hearing it over and over again, too, from a lot of the hosts I work with. They think they have to put in that extra work. You know, the the really interesting thing is that uh, for especially for paid networks, so people networks mm -hmm. or communities where people are paying for access, kind of like what works or they're buying a subscription for access to this. I talk to folks all the time and they're like, well, I have to offer these concrete things. I have to give people advice or resources or package, whatever it is, like swag. They think that people want things, essentially, even if they're ideas, yeah. they're like prescriptive ways to do things. And I've learned through testing ads and messaging and landing pages and running a lot of ads and money against all of this stuff <laughs> is that that doesn't work anymore to get people in. They actually just want to meet each other. Like people will pay money for access to the relationships and opportunities of experiences with other people more so than just to get stuff or like a download or whatever it is. Um, that was like a big aha moment for me in the last couple of years. And I keep continually seeing that working well for other folks who are launching new networks. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, on this topic, I've got a question from Amy Scott, who is a mighty host. She says, um, I sometimes worry that my community isn't providing enough of the specific resources that members are looking for. And her community specifically is about uh, is for digital nomads. So people are coming there wanting to learn more about uh, or or take kind of their digital nomad lifestyle to the next level. Um, she says, how do I balance this with the with how do I balance with the connection and conversation? So how does she how does she continue to provide those kinds of resources that people are looking for while balancing that with connection and conversation? So this is a great question, Amy. And hi, she's awesome. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I love this because here's what I do. I'll just share what I do, basically. Yeah. Um, do both in one, essentially. So we may we may talk about this, and I know we've talked about this before, but one of my favorite strategies for saving myself a lot of work and time is to use monthly themes and really think and work and plan a little bit up front as far as what I'm going to talk about with my community for a month. What are we going to go deep on? What are we going to dive into and learn together? Um, so that really helps me frame this. So let's say we spend a whole month on goal setting. This is one of my favorite themes because it works for pretty much any mighty network, especially in the month of January or Yes. Anytime throughout the year. <laughs> you do it in December, right? Yeah, okay. totally. That's even better. That's even better. And uh, let's say we spend the whole month on that together and we're going to talk about, you know, we're, I'm going to put out polls and questions and stuff to get people talking, sharing the data. Like, what apps do you use? You know, like, how are your paper planner? Like, how often a week do you check in on your goals? Do you have an accountability partner? All this good stuff. Then I go back at the end of the month and I look across that data of what was shared. And it's great because suddenly it's like, oh, my God, we learned so much like of these folks who are digital nomads, you know, the, the percentage of them are all doing this successfully. That's really mm. interesting. Or, you know, wow, the majority of us are doing this and it seems to be working really well. So taking that data and collecting it and then pulling out member quotes, like literally little stories of what people are saying in the comments or in their own interactions. Maybe during the month, we'll also do like a live chat or a virtual event type thing where I'll also pull in the stories from those experiences that people have shared. And I turn that into a resource. So I'm Brilliant. literally like, yeah, and I've even done these where I call it like a hack. 
So it'll be like a hack on, you know, whatever it is. Like we did one a few years ago and like we spent a whole month on Instagram for small business owners. And so it was great because I captured all this data around how many hashtags people were using and how often they were posting just through polls and questions. And I put together this article or a resource. You could turn it into a PDF. You know, I think we even, I think I even created a PDF that went with it. That was like a calendar. So you could run Instagram experiments and track them all month. And then I pushed that back at the community with lots of great success quotes, what's working data. And that became our resource. And it was like evergreen content that was crowdsourced from the entire community at large. And people were visiting that and sharing it and commenting on it for the next year plus. Yeah. It was really, really valuable. And I basically, the work I did was put out a bunch of polls and questions, capture quotes afterwards and package it up. And I didn't have to like create my own resource. I mean, like I did a calendar with it that was cool to download, but that didn't take that long. Yeah. Um, use your community to build your resources. Don't feel like you got to do it in a vacuum. Well, and that goes back to kind of like rethinking your relationship with your community too, because we think that our, or I think we've been told that our relationship to our community, to our audience has to be the expert, the advice giver, the people with the, the people in the know, right? But when you're running a group, when you are focusing on conversation and contribution and connection, your role shifts so that as the, the word that you've used a number of times, you're a facilitator, you're a mm -hmm. host, you're the person who is bringing it all together. You don't have to, I saw Bonnie in the chat mention a potluck. You don't have to be the personal chef for the whole dinner party, right? You get everybody to bring something to the table and you enjoy the meal together, right? I love that analogy. Oh my gosh, I'm going to use that one. <laughs> Bonnie Gillespie for the win. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, that's yes. awesome. Awesome. Um, let's shift gears a little bit because I could personally talk about this topic I know. all day long. Um, and one thing that you mentioned was actually kind of uh, tidying up or streamlining our workload as mm -hmm. community builders. And you know what? Before I get into that, I do want to I, I want to call out again that while we're talking about a lot of Mighty Network specific examples, obviously because that's where you work and that's the platform that we use and love. Um, that and we're also talking a lot about kind of a large community uh, scene. All everything we have talked about so far is true of mastermind groups, is true of coaching programs. Whether your group is five people, 500 people, 500,000 people, you can take what we've talked about here, get creative with it, under, you know, think about the strategy behind it and apply it to your group in a way that's really going to transform things. So I, I, I wanted to put that little plug in there. But let's get back to this, this um, idea of uh, streamlining our workloads <laughs> as, as yeah. hosts and facilitators, because I think one of the reasons that people put up a barrier to communities and groups is because all they can imagine is like an onslaught of customer demands and people wanting their time and attention. Um, mm -hmm. Can you talk about some of the things that you've learned over the years help really pare down on what that workload is and make things as easy as possible for the person that is managing the community? Yeah. And I've learned this. I've, I've run communities of 10 people and of 150,000 people by myself. So it's possible. <laughs> it's not scary. Brilliant. It doesn't add... You, as it scales, it shouldn't add more workload for you. And that's really key because again, the, as it scales, we're facilitating introductions between people. So they're actually gonna, the whole goal through this programming that I'll talk about in a second is to get that flywheel going so that you have to do less work as it scales. You don't need to grow your team necessarily. Uh, I just talked to some folks, um, the School of Life, if anybody's familiar yeah. with them, they're also on Mighty Networks and just launched. They've got 
I don't know, it's like 60, 70, 80,000 people who are joining hundreds every day and they've got one and a half people in their customer management or their community management team, I should say. Yeah, That's incredible. Yeah. So, um, so here's the thing. It's all about to make your life easier, whether it's 10 people or 150,000 people, it's about being proactive and not reactive. And this comes back to what I mentioned about monthly planning or planning a few months out with a theme. So it saves me work. If, if I don't suddenly go on a Thursday, Oh crap, I have to post something this week. Well, what should I post? Cause I haven't done that in a while and I should get people to come back and do something. Save yourself that work, be proactive at the beginning of every month or the end of the previous month, you know, look at what was working, what wasn't working, build on that, always come back to the benefits of what you're offering to folks. So if your goal is to offer small business owners an opportunity to learn how to make better decisions in their business, or find the answers to things they can't Google, then we got to deliver on that. So we're going to spend, for example, again, like, let's say a whole month on Instagram, I actually asked people what is the social media platform that you want to master in your business in this year? And it was like a poll. And I think it was like 70% of people said Instagram. And this is three years ago. And I think the answer would still be Instagram. <laughs> Those like, were very smart people three years right? ago. I have right? to say. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, great, I got some data. This is what you want to learn about. Like, this is what you want to master in your business. Let's do this together. So we, I jotted down, what are some just questions as a small business owner, this person in this persona, these people in my network, um, what do they want to learn about? What can we dig into? What are the specifics of this platform or thing? And I sat down by myself, or maybe I have a team of one other person and we just do a brainstorm and it's like, okay, these are the things we can do. We map out, all right, let's put out a poll this day, you know, a question this day, maybe, and we'll work towards our roundup post, our hack at the end of the month. So I always kind of think ahead to that thing that I was talking about with Amy. Like, how am I going to wrap this up? Well, we're going to answer these questions ahead of time. And then maybe I'm like, great, you know, I know somebody who's been really successful on Instagram. She's got like 50,000 followers and seems to be doing well getting customers. Let's interview her mid-month. Uh, I kind of map this out. Doesn't take long. It takes like an hour a month. <laughs> if you really kind of understand your audience and your customers, it seems scary, but it's not. It's not like pumping out 10 articles because I know that I've written a lot of content marketing. It's not fun over time. <laughs> Like posting a question and then planning a quick event, like that's gonna that's gonna be really really easy, and it's gonna have a lot of uh, bang for your buck as far as like the return that you're getting. And that's kind of how I think about it. So maybe it's seasonal, maybe it's topical, whatever it is. It anchors my work and it anchors the experience for your members. They know what to expect when I say we're just gonna spend a whole month going deep on this. It's me guiding and leading the conversation. They're still gonna talk about other stuff that matters to them. It's not gonna shut down the other topics or categories or things that matter to them, they're still going to come in and ask those questions and get help from each other around that. It's just going to guide us and anchor us together. And that's what, that's how you build a habit. That's how you get to a year later. People are coming back of their own accord or a month later. They're coming back of, of their own accord and not just because you're asking them to. Yeah. I love that. The themes for us have been such a, a lifesaver, a sanity saver, in addition to a time saver as well. And now we've got them so that we're not just following themes in our community, but that we're also following those same themes in our marketing. So our marketing Ooh. is thematic 
and our content creation or our contribution strategy in our community is thematic. So like this month, it's all spring cleaning. So I've got four, uh, well, more than yeah. four interviews um, for the podcast that are all about cleaning up, tidying up your small business. Um, in this case, tidying up your connections with your, your audience. Um, and then in our community, we've got prompts and questions going out for that. And then we have our virtual conference towards the end of the month where we're talking all about spring cleaning. And oh my gosh, this is the first month where it's all lined up perfectly. Um, we've been moving in this direction for, for a while. Uh, but the like it is a beautiful thing when I am <laughs> sitting down and planning out like the intros and the ads and the podcast and what I'm talking about on Instagram. And it all is on the same topic. It doesn't mean even in even for me, it doesn't mean I can't share what's on my mind that's outside yeah. of that topic too. But it gives me structure and a container and it makes my life so much easier. So thank you um, for tipping us off to themes a while back. Yeah. And here's the other thing that I've done. Oh my God. By the way, we did spring cleaning as a theme when I was, oh, did running, you? That, when I was running that small business community. It was brilliant. Like all of the topics and questions you can dig into around just like getting organized and getting everything together and like streamlining stuff. Oh, it's so much fun. People love that. It was a really engaging topic. So, and it works for so many different networks too. You don't have, that doesn't have to be a topic. If you just talk to business owners, it could be anything related to uh, your life, which is really great. Uh, the other kind of tip I had here to even save yourself more time. If you know that you, you know, you're planning this on your own and you get crunched every month, Yes, spend that hour ahead of every month if you really, you know, if you can mapping it out, it's going to make things so much easier. But what I do is in addition to that, once, maybe twice a year, I sit down and I block out maybe two or three hours, ideally with a person or a couple of folks on my team, or even if it's just like, maybe it's just a member. If it's just mm -hmm. you, you talk to your top member and you get them in the room and I pull up a Google Doc. And I actually organize around like the, the many, we call them topics in a mighty network. So the categories of like the stuff that you're talking about across your network, but whatever it is, like the main issues or interests of your members, I bucket those out in a Google doc and we sit there and we just brainstorm for two hours and we write down every possible question or thing that could be discussed. Like we just, I just write out bullet points of like hundreds of questions. We just say off the top of our heads. They may not be the best questions. Like we may not actually post those later, but two hours later, we've got like a many, many page Google Doc with like bulleted lists of just like every possible question or poll you could ask across this topic. And then I'm like, great. And then when we come back to throughout the year and let's say we're spending a whole month on spring cleaning. Oh, great. We did this brainstorm where we wrote down 50 questions around getting organized or streamlining your business or like what software apps do you use? And I can just pull from that and it gets me new ideas. So I, it almost saves me even more work ahead of time because I can just pull from those questions we already brainstormed or add to it over time. So brilliant. So yeah. brilliant. You are so smart. Okay. <laughs> um, I want to talk about a different aspect of reducing your workload um, because I think that the policies, the guidelines, the expectations that we set as leaders and facilitators are another way of making sure that things go or or at least pushing things in the right direction, even if they don't ensure that they go in the right direction. What are some of the policies or guidelines that community leaders can put in place to reduce their workload and just make sure that everyone's on the same page? Great, great question. Uh, I am really bullish about setting expectations up front so mm -hmm. that it's not 
somebody says something, does something, doesn't kind of comply by the vibe in our community or whatever that is, and then I point them to something. No, 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 that is all set up front. And the, when the day I invite them, the first time they see an ad on their landing page, in the very first post they see when they join, it's reiterating the kind of overall mission of this community, which very much usually reflects uh, the sort of that kind of goal that I said talked about earlier, where we're here to share our experiences, our stories, you know, meet each other, learn from each other, not necessarily share advice. I put that everywhere. So that will tend to save me about 90% of the work dealing with a bad actor or somebody who doesn't really understand how this works. People will self-select into this knowing what the expectations are because we're hammering it into them across our messaging everywhere. Like, don't just put it one place and expect people are going to see it everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah. When I send an email follow-up, when I pu publish an article in the network, I end it with, um, you know, we're all here to share our experiences. Tell us below like a specific thing in relation to this thing. Like I frame every question and every comment with that. And it saves me so much time as far as having to re-explain this stuff or point people to my guidelines post. So that said, I do always recommend kind of having that in place for your team or for you and for your members as well and just being really upfront about it. Uh, we, I have a template that I use um, for a lot of the network networks. I think it's even now built. Yes, it is baked into every mighty network where there's a template member guidelines post, but it's really simple. It's just, you know, don't spam and promote yourself because promotion is very much like giving out advice. It's going to shut the conversation down and nobody wants to be in a self-promotional community anymore. Like that's why people aren't in LinkedIn groups anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, so we're here to do this, 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 you know, know this, yes, this, if, you know, like, here's how we respect each other, whatever that is. I'm happy to like share my template here too, as well in the chat, if I can pull it up uh, and then um, point people to it if you need to. But I've seen that that's rarely needed, especially in these communities with even 50, 60, 70, 80,000 people. It's really, really easy to uh, moderate when you've set that expectation up front. Uh, and you're modeling that behavior, bad actors are just not going to happen. And of course, like we've built in some moderation features that make this easy, like on our side of things, because we know it still happens, like anti-spam stuff and whatnot. But if you're really, if you're really worried about that, make your network or your community, wherever it is, private and invite only, or ask people to just pay a small fee. It's gonna, it's the only the people who really want to be there and are dedicated to being a part of this and understand the expectations you set up front will opt in and they're going to make it an amazing experience for everybody. Brilliant. Um, guys, we're going to start wrapping things up here unless you've got more questions for Audra. I have a couple more, but I want to give you last call for your opportunity to ask questions. So if you do have a question for Audra on anything, community building, community management, um, go ahead and use that ask a question button under the video area and we'll get to those in just a minute. Um, but you know, Andrea, you have alluded to now uh, several times, or not alluded to. You have, uh, you have an incredible perspective on what's working across literally thousands of communities right now. Um, and so, I'd love to find out if there's, if you know, what you've seen over the last few months, last few years of really kind of surprising things that are working for communities, things that maybe you hadn't thought of or things that you wouldn't thought wouldn't have thought would mm -hmm. work, but are really helping to make communities thrive. Yeah. Um, I mean, on a baseline level, I'm just super, super excited. And I don't want to say surprised, I'm, but I'm really just excited to see so many bigger brands and bigger like influencers and kind of folks in that realm 
that are starting to get it. They're like, this is not about this me talking out to you anymore and dealing with this rat race. It's about, oh, let's let's pull these people together because this is gonna exponentially make my brand more valuable through those connections. And that's really just word of mouth, right? You can't even, you can't pay for that, like that strength of those relationships around your brand. So that's just been really exciting, but also um, really validating and really fun. I will say that as a surprise, you know, I think logically, I feel like I would know this to be the case, but I am also as a caveat, I'm an introvert, like an extreme introvert. I think a lot of us who run communities are, right? And it's like super weird. And so it's like, <laughs> I, people are like, you must be this crazy extrovert. I'm like, no, 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 no. 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 The only reason I can do this is that it's not exhausting to interact with people online as much as, as it is in person, uh, as much as I love people. Uh, but what I was going to say is that, you know, what's what surprised me is, is how powerful it is to be vulnerable. So especially coming from like the social media world where it's all about these appearances and sort of this like framing this in a perfect way, brands are still very protective of what they do and what they put out there. Um, and that's that's holding you back if you're building a community, full stop. Like, I, I here's an example of a network that um, I worked with last year to really help them reboot not only their business, but their community, which was really exciting. And their founder, CEO, um, you know, she'd been kind of focused on putting on this like brave face and like appear bigger than we are as we're sort of regrowing and taking things, you know, kind of bottom to top again and rethinking the whole thing. And then, you know what she decided to do? She decided to write a really vulnerable post in her network of, of people. And these are people subscribing and paying a lot of money to be a part of this thing. It's very prestigious. And she just kind of stripped it all down and shared, here's where I'm at with my family. You know, we're dealing with some health issues, some personal, it was really, really personal stuff. That, those inter that got like the highest spike in engagement and interactions in her network, like over the last year. Um, and I just think of that as an example. And yes, yes, you know, you know, we're not like, shopping around or selling our vulnerability is like yeah. to get hits or contributions. But what it did is it, it didn't, it opened up hundreds of comments of people just like, I'm so glad. Like now I feel like we're, we're at the same level. Like we're real people. Oh, I've dealt with that in my family. Oh, here's some experiences that I had around the same thing that would have never happened otherwise. And I just think it's been really interesting to see how well just being yourself and being real and being vulnerable works um, versus trying to put on this perfect face as the host or the leader of something. Again, it helps demonstrate that we're also here to share experiences. Nobody's perfect. Uh, I haven't figured it out just because I'm the host of a network. Um, I'm really here to learn from you as well and be vulnerable. And it's just been really great that that to see that that works, I guess. Yeah, I love that. That's so awesome. Okay, we do have a couple of questions. Uh, the first one is from so Sophie. She says, "How? Um, what's the best way to reward loyal community members? Oh, such a good question. Okay, so this is another like, people really think that the rewards that people want are physical rewards, swag, mm -hmm. money back, or like a kickback on your, whatever it is, right? You know, uh, that they don't want that. They want recognition. This is like a big learning I've had over the last year is that people are going to respond more to recognition, whether it's just a little badge in their profile or you giving them a shout out in your newsletter or highlighting their story by interviewing them, kind of something like this or doing like a member Q&A article. Um, I say explore experiential or re like, uh, so re like rewards like that. So it's like 
giving them some recognition or an opportunity to be showcased versus having to worry about printing t-shirts and sending out mugs. Yes. Don't, don't do t-shirts and mugs. No. <laughs> I mean, it was great, but just don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Sean, Sean will agree. Just don't, don't, don't. Yeah. But don't yeah, I can hear that. Yeah. And I think um, just to add to that a little bit, I mean, I think that we absolutely should be rewarding and recognizing loyal members like preach. That's awesome. And also we found an incredible amount of success with actually rewarding and, um, and calling out, recognizing our brand new members too, and being willing to say, Hey, you're new here. And we want to tell everybody about you. And it, that may not work a hundred percent of the time. Um, and it may not make sense in your member, uh, strategy, but for us, it's been really awesome. I love that idea. I've seen that work in a lot of other communities as well. And it's something that I'm, I hate to say, I don't think I've tried yet, but I'd like to, that is really something I'd like to do. I think, uh, yoga with Adrienne, if anybody's familiar with her, mm -hmm. she also has a mighty network called find what feels good. And, uh, Sarah Bowman who runs that network is amazing. And she does like a weekly shout out where she highlights new members who've joined like at mentions them, which is really fun. And any like top questions that members have put out. And that kind of recognition is just so amazing. It just gets that flywheel going and gets people excited about coming back. Yeah. I love that. Um, and the second question is from Melissa, <laughs> excuse me, Melissa. She says, how do you support newbies to mighty networks who are building a community from scratch? Yeah. Uh, I love it. And we are here to support you. Uh, I mean, we've got lots of resources and stuff and I actually host sessions on crowdcast three times a week for new newbies. So if you want to get your live questions answered and get a tour, I, here's the thing. We know that we're building this, we have this really great platform that's so powerful, but there's a lot going on in it. There's a lot of bells and whistles. It might seem overwhelming. To echo what Tara said earlier, which is one of my life mottos just generally, don't overthink it. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is, I find myself doing this all the time. And if anybody of you are familiar with uh, Gretchen's Four Tendencies, I'm a questioner. So like, we can get lost in overthinking everything. And it's just like, stop, don't overthink it. Let's just do the minimum to get this thing out in the world. We can help you if you're launching a network. We've got lots of good stuff. I've got resources. We've got Mighty Hosts, which is our own community. And we've got live sessions. So we got you covered, basically. You can do this from scratch. You don't have to have a following elsewhere. It's going to be a little bit more of an uphill battle to find people and get them in. But if you start with the core people you know now, I'm sensing you probably know at least a few people. Um, if you're doing this, then you can do this. It's, 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 there are, it's definitely possible. Not everybody's launches a network is starting with a following. Um, and so, yeah, we're totally here to help you. And also that's really exciting. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's the people, right? Like yeah. start with the people. That's the biggest thing. Well, speaking of mighty networks, Audra, I want to give you a chance to let everyone know how they can find out more about mighty networks and really just what you guys are all about. Yeah. So, you know, primarily we are a software as a service platform, which is super not sexy to say, um, <laughs> but you can learn more at mightynetworks.com. Uh, there's a lot of jumping off points there. We've got a great how it works section that you can see from the top navigation. Uh, if you create a mighty network, you'll get dropped into our welcome series that will give you some more background around who we are. Um, you know, we're a small team. We're primarily like software engineers and and folk and designers and people who are really trying to kind of build out all these great features that are going to help you better connect your people. So, you know, that's kind of a lot of what we're doing, but the great part is that we are incredibly in tune with 
what our customers like you, Tara, and a lot of folks who are here in this chat today um, are doing. Like we are very close to our customers. We love hearing what you want because it's gonna dictate what we build and we're doing this for you so that, you know, we're, our audience is small business owners, you know, people who are, who are growing their following, who really understand with their brands, uh, the power of bringing people together. And they're primarily people who serve a niche, which is really cool. Um, so I think Amy was a great example. You know, she's serving people who are uh, remote, right? Like uh, Nomadtopia is your network, right? I'm mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, it's a very specific niche, but as long as there's an opportunity and a need for people to, to meet each other, like they're getting value out of that, that helps your business and what you offer, a Mighty Network is for you. Boom. Yeah. Boom. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, Audra, thank you so much for this incredibly enlightening conversation about community building and really focusing on people and how we get people to interact um, and really the value that those kinds of interactions can create for people. So thank you for that, guys. If you're here with us alive, I would love for you to give a big thank you to Audra as well. Um, as we've been talking about, Mighty Networks is the platform that powers the What Works Network. We're big believers in what they're doing, and we have loved seeing how the platform has evolved over the years. Um, we are all about people and facilitating honest conversations about running and growing a small business at the What Works Network. And all this month, as I mentioned a couple of times, we're having conversations about cleaning up your business, removing what's not working, what's out of date, and focusing on what's really important. We want to help our members free up their time, their mental bandwidth, and business operations so they can continue to grow. In fact, we think tidying up your business is so important that we are devoting our next virtual conference to the topic of spring cleaning. You'll learn about streamlining your business model, tidying up your website copy, reducing your social media workload, and decluttering your schedule. That's all going down live on March 21st, and it's available only to members of the What Works Network. To become a member, go to explorewhatworks.com slash network and request your invitation. That's explorewhatworks.com slash network. And of course, to get started with your own free Mighty Network, go to mightynetworks.com. Audra, again, thank you. This was so awesome. Thank you. I can't wait to read through these comments. Thank you, everybody. This is yes. so much fun. I could talk about this all day, but... Find me in Mighty Hosts or elsewhere if you want to keep the conversation going. That would be great. That's awesome. And guys, thank you all for being here live. Thanks for listening in on the replay if if that is uh, your situation. And of course, you can find all of the What Works episodes on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or at explorewhatworks.com. Thanks, everyone. Bye, Audra. Bye. Thank you.